Chapter Forty of Way of the Lawless by Max Brand. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. While he searched desperately for an answer, Andrew found none. Then he saw the stupid big eyes of Jeff wander from his face to the face of Scotty, and he knew that his previous advantage had been completely neutralized. Boys, he said, as he surveyed the restless, savage figures of Clune and LaRoche. I've come for a little plain talk. There's no more question about me leading the gang. None at all. I wouldn't lead you, LaRoche, nor you, Clune, nor you, Scotty. There's only one man here that's clean, and he's Jeff Rankin. He waited for the point to sink home. As Scotty opened his lips to strike back, he went ahead deliberately. By retaining his own calm, he saw that he kept a great advantage. Rankin began fumbling at his cup. Scotty instantly filled it half full with whiskey. Don't drink that, said Andrew sharply. Don't drink it, Jeff. Scotty's doing that on purpose to get you sap-headed. Do what he says, says Scotty calmly. Throw the dirty stuff away, Jeff. Do what your daddy tells you. You ain't old enough to know your own mind, are you? Big Jeff flushed, cast a glance of defiance that included both Andrew and Scotty, and tossed off the whiskey. It was a blow over the heart of Andrew. He had to finish his talking now, before Jeff Rankin was turned mad by the whiskey. And if he worked it well, Jeff would be on his side. The madness would fight for Andrew. He said, there's no more question about me being a leader for you. Personally, I'd like to have Jeff, not to follow me, but to be pals with me. Jeff cleared his throat and looked about with foolish importance. Not an eye wavered to meet his glance. Every look was fixed with a hungry hate upon Andrew. There's only one thing up between the lot of us. Do I keep Hal Dozier, or do you get him? to murder him. Do you fellows ride on your way free and easy to do what you please, or do you tackle me in that room, eat my lead, and then, if you finish me, get a chance to kill a man that's nearly dead now? How does it look to you, boys? Think it over. Think sharp. He knew while he spoke that there was one exquisitely simple way to end both his life and the life of Dozier. Let them touch a match to the building and shoot him while he ran from the flames. But he could only pray that they would not see it. And besides, I'll do more. You think you have a claim on Dozier? I'll buy him from you. Here's half his weight in gold. Will you take the money and clear out? Or are you going to make the play at me? If you do, you'll buy whatever you get at a high price. You forget, put in Scotty, but Andrew interrupted. I don't want to hear from you, Scotty. I know you're a snake. I want to hear from Jeff Rankin. Speak up, Jeff. Everything's in your hands, and I trust you. The giant rose from his chair. His face was white with the effect of the whiskey, and one spot of color burned in each cheek. He looked gloweringly upon his companions. Andy, he said, I... Wait a minute, said Scotty swiftly, seeing that the scales were balancing toward a defeat. 
Let him talk. You don't have to tell him what to say, said Andrew. I've got a right to put our side up to him for the sake of the things we've been through together. Jeff, have I? Jeff Rankin cleared his throat importantly. Scotty faced him. The others kept their unchanging eyes riveted upon Andrew, ready for the gunplay at the first flicker of an eyelid. The first sign of unwariness would begin and end the battle. Don't forget this, went on Scotty, having Jeff's attention. Andy is working to keep Dozier alive. Why? Dozier's the law, isn't he? Then Andy wants to make up with the law. He wants to sneak out. He wants to turn state's evidence. That deadly phrase shocked Jeff Rankin a pace back towards soberness. I never thought he began. You're too straight to think of it. Take another look at Lanning. Is he one of us? Has he ever been one of us? No. Look again. Dozier has hunted Lanning all over the mountain desert. Now he wants to save Dozier. Wants to risk his life for him. Wants to buy him from us. Why? Because he's turned crooked. He's turned soft. He wants to get under the wing of the law. But Jeff Rankin swept all argument away with a movement of his big paws. Too much talk, he said. I want to think. His stupid animal eyes went laboriously around the room. I wish Alistair were here, he said. He always knew. For my part, said Scotty, I can't be bought, not me. He suddenly leaned to the big man, and before Andrew could speak, he had said, Jeff, you know why I want to get Dozier, because he ran down my brother. And are you going to let him go clear, Jeff? Are you going to have Alistair haunt you? It was the decisive stroke. The big head of Jeff twitched back. He opened his lips to speak, and in that moment, knowing the battle was over and lost to him, Andrew, who had moved back, made one leap and was through the door and into the little shed again. The gun had gleamed in the hand of Larry LaRoche as he sprang, but Andrew had been too quick for the outlaw to plant his shot. He heard Jeff Rankin still speaking. I don't know, quite, but I see you're right, Scotty. There ain't no reason for Lanning to be so chummy with Dozier. And so they must be something crooked about it. Boys, I'm with you to the limit. Go as far as you like. I'm behind you. No room for argument now, and the blind animal hate which Scotty and LaRoche and Clune felt for Dozier was sure to drive them to extremities. Andrew sat in the dark, hurriedly going over his rifle and his revolver. Once he was about to throw open the door and try the effect of a surprise attack. He might plant two shots before there was a return. He let the idea slip away from him. There would remain two more, and one of them was certain to kill him. Moving across the room, he heard a whisper from the floor. I've heard them, Lanning. Don't be a fool. Give me up to him. He made no answer. In the other room, the voices were no longer restrained. Jeff Rankins, in particular, boomed and rang and filled the shed. Once bent on action, he was all for attack. Whiskey had removed the last human scruple. Andrew heard them openly cast their ballots for a new leader. 
heard Scotty acclaimed, heard the Scotchman say, Boys, I'm going to show you a way to clean up on Dozier and Lanning, without any man risking a single shot from him in return. They clamored for the suggestion, but he told them that he was first going out in the open to think it over. In the meantime, they had nothing to fear. Sit fast and have another drink around. He had to be alone to figure it out. It was very plain. The wily rascal would let them go one step farther towards an insanity of drink, and then, his own brain cold and collected, he would come back to turn the shack into a shambles. He had said that he could do it without risk to them. There was only one possible meaning. He intended to use fire. Andrew sat with the butt of his rifle ground into his forehead. It was still easy to escape. The insistent whisper from the floor was pointing out the way. Beat it out the back window, lad. Slope. Andy, there's no use. You can't help me. They mean fire. They'll pot you like a pig from the dark. Give me up. It was the advice to use the window that decided Andrew. It was a wild chance indeed, this leaving of Dozier helpless on the floor, but he risked it. He whispered to the marshal that he would return and slipped through the window. He was not halfway around the house before he heard a voice that chilled him with horror. It was the marshal calling to them that Andrew was gone and inviting them in to finish him. But they suspected naturally enough that the invitation was a trap, and they contented themselves with abusing him for thinking them such fools. Andrew went on, fifty feet from the house, and just aside from the shaft of light that fell from the open door stood Scotty. His head was bare, his face was turned up to catch the wind, and no doubt he was dreaming of the future which lay before him as the new captain of Alistair's band. The whisper of Andrew behind him cut his dream short. He whirled to receive the muzzle of a revolver in his stomach. His hands went up, and he stood gasping faintly in the moonlight. "'I've got you, Scotty,' he said, "'and so help me, heaven, you're the first man that I've wanted to kill.' It would have taken a man of super nerve to outface that situation, and the nerve of Scotty cracked. He began to whisper with a horrible break and sob in his breath. "'Andy, Andy, give me a chance. I'm not fit to go this way. Andy, remember. I'm going to give you a chance.' You're pretty low, Scotty. I check what you've done to the way you hate Dozier, and I won't hold a grudge. And I'll tell you the chance you've got. You see these rocks here? I'm going to lie down behind them. I'm going to keep you covered with my rifle. Scotty, did you ever see me shoot with a rifle? Scotty shuddered, a very sufficient reply. I'm going to keep you covered. Then you'll turn around and walk straight back to the shack. You'll stand there, always in clean sight of the doorway. You'll persuade that crowd of drunks to leave the house and ride away with you, understand? When you get inside the house, there'll be a big temptation to jump to one side and get behind the wall. Just one twitch of your muscles and you'd be safe. But as fast as you could move, Scotty, powder, drives lead a lot faster. 
and I'll have you centered every minute. You'll make a pretty little target against the light, besides. You understand? The moment you even start to move fast, I'll pull the trigger. Remember it, Scotty, for as sure as there's a hell, I'll send you into it head first, if you don't. So help me heaven, said Scotty. I'll do what I can. I think I can talk him into it, but if I don't... If you don't, you're dead. That's short, and that's sweet. Keep it in your head. Go back and tell them. It would take too great a risk to try to fix me. And there's another thing to remember. If you should be able to get behind that wall without being shot, you're not safe. Not by a long way, Scotty. I'd still be alive. And though you'd have Dozier to cut up as you pleased, I'd be here outside the cabin, watching it with my rifle. And I'd tag some of you when you tried to get out. And if I didn't get you all, I'd start on your trail. Scotty, you fellows, even when you had Alistair to lead you, couldn't get off scot-free from Dozier. Scotty, I give you my solemn word of honor, you'll find me a harder man to get free of than Hal Dozier. Here's the last thing. If you do what I tell you, if you get that crowd of drunken brutes out of the cabin and away without harming Dozier, I'll wipe out the score between us. No matter what you've told the rest of them, you know I've never broken a promise, and that I never shall. He stopped, and stepping back to the rocks, sank slowly down behind them. Only the muzzle of his rifle showed, no more than the glint of a tiny bit of quartz. His left hand was raised, and, at its gesture, Scotty turned and walked slowly toward the cabin doorway. Once stumbling over something, he reeled almost out of the shaft of light, but stopped on the edge of safety with a terrible trembling. There he stood for a moment, and Andrew knew that he was gathering his nerve. He went on. He stood in the doorway, leaning with one arm against it. What followed, Andrew could not hear, except an occasional roar from Rankin. Once Larry LaRoche came and stood before the new leader, gesturing frantically, and the ring of his voice came clearly to Andrew. The Scotsman negligently stood to one side. The way between Andrew and Larry was cleared, and Andrew could not help smiling at the fiendish malevolence of Scotty. But he was apparently able to convince even Larry LaRoche by means of words. At length, there was a bustling in the cabin, a loud confusion, and finally the whole troop went out. Somebody brought Scotty his saddle. Jeff Rankin came out reeling. But Scotty stirred last from the doorway. There he stood in the shaft of light until someone, cursing, brought him his horse. He mounted it in full view. Then the cavalcade started down the ravine. Certainly, it was not an auspicious beginning for Scotty McDougal. End of chapter 40